Forgive me for doing this. I have seven things, seven things that have been bouncing around in Kevin's life the last three weeks. And um, they feel somewhat unrelated, but hopefully uh, they will be encouraging to us this morning as we look to the scriptures. Um, Let me pray for us and just ask God to work in our time. God, uh, you are far more magnificent than we uh, will ever give you credit for. And God, uh, we know that you do work out in the details of our lives. And yet sometimes we neglect to see uh, what you're doing. We neglect to uh, filter out um, the junk of our lives and and look at life uh, through a lens that that is your word. And God, this morning I ask that you would help us to do that. Encourage our hearts through your scriptures. Um, thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn over to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, I want to look at verse 16. This morning, my first point, uh, as we, we consider... Um, just seven somewhat unrelated things. I want to tell you this. The thing I've been thinking about is that rest is what we get from a relationship with the Lord. Rest is what we get uh, from a relationship with the Lord. Now, when I talk about rest, uh, have any of you been tired this week? Have you been tired? Tired? Uh, the idea of rest uh, is something that I think we all like look for. Um, you want to go on a vacation because you want to rest, and when has that ever happened yeah, on a vac- Like, I, I always come home exhausted. I don't know about you, and uh, I, that that seeking to be at a place where you just feel totally ready uh, for whatever comes your way. Um, to be honest, I, I don't feel that very often. I don't bounce out of bed in the morning. I don't know if you do. Uh, many times I, you know, it's it's like needing a crane or something to get me out of bed or, you know, it's getting me out. And then it's like, oh, when I, if I think about what I have to do in a day, sometimes it's even more difficult because I feel that sense of uh, anxiousness of all that there is to be done. And so I seek out places of rest. You know, at the end of a day when you're tired, you say, oh, I, I need some rest. I'm tired. I've, I've done too much. I've gone too far. And yet this feeling of peace that we all seek is not found in a nap, though at times that uh, is needed. But I look at the end of Second Thessalonians in verse 16, uh, Chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I see something there that's super important for us all to remember in the midst of maybe chaotic days, maybe tiring days, maybe anxious days, that rest does not come or peace does not come from some change of circumstances or schedules or any of these other things. Peace comes from God. I know that sounds obvious, and I know that that sounds um, somewhat simple, but the one who is 
peace himself, he is the one to bring us peace as well. And it says this, at, at all times and in every way. At all times and every way. I, I think about that and I think, um, does that mean when you're uh, away visiting family? Yes. Does that mean when the road trip's too long? Yes. Does that mean when you can't sleep at night and you're worried about the details? Yes. It's, it, it, it's all encompassing. It, it fits for every situation. That the one who is peace needs to be the one who brings us peace. Brings us peace. Um, rest is what we get in a relationship with the Lord. If you're here this morning... Uh, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you uh, are just coming here to check us out or somebody brought you with us, with with them this morning, I want to tell you that you need Jesus Christ. Not because I said so, but because He is the one who has loved you. And that may be the peace that you're missing in your life and you're seeking rest and peace and all these other things, but without the one who is peace. Uh, you need him. Number two. Number two. First, rest is uh, what we get in relationship with the Lord. Number two is this. Um, this is somewhat personal. Maybe you'll relate to this. I, I felt like I've been looking for home down here way too much. Been looking for home down here way too much. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, if you'd like to turn over there. Uh, one of my favorite passages, it's really a good summertime passage as well, uh, because chapter 5 talks about tents. Uh, I don't know if any of you are going tent camping. I would suggest against it, personally. Uh, uh, just doesn't make sense to me. But uh, anyways, uh, I think of our kids heading off going houseboating, and houseboating's great. Uh, I don't know if uh, some of you have done this before, but houseboating is great. Uh, but if you can imagine living on a houseboat, that might be a little bit different. Uh, the idea of having to take care of all the things and uh, travel in to get food and just all the complications. It's a good temporary dwelling. Well, that's the context of this passage in Second Corinthians that I've shared with you is one of being a tent. Uh, that this life is somewhat temporary and that we are considered to be living in a tent. If you look uh, down at verse 6, it says this, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather... Be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So think about this passage. There's two homes. You're at home in the body or you're at home with the Lord. And the one home is a temporary one. It, it, it's not meant to last forever. And yet the place of rest and, and perfection is to be at home with the Lord. I remember uh, moving away from home for the first time, heading off to college. 
I packed all my possessions in our station wagon. It was sweet. Uh, and drove down the 101 freeway heading off to college. I remember getting to this small dorm room and thinking, this is going to be home. And so I took my component stereo and I set it up because uh, young men only need a few things. And one is their, their tunes. You know, you need your tunes and you get that set up. I had a, a computer that was... I would have had a laptop, but they hadn't invented those yet. Uh, so I had my computer. I set that up. I had my little refrigerator, and I'm like, I got it. I got it. I'm set up. And, and we desire to be set up in a place of comfort. You know, in college, that was what life consisted of. Now, uh, what is it now? You know, we need a TV, right? We need a, not a TV like this, but a TV like this, you know, a TV, a huge TV. And then you get the TV, but you need something to sit on, right? And so you get the uh, the couch or the big lazy boy. If you get one of those big chairs, you kind of want it to be like Star Trek, right? You know, where you're sitting there and you are in command when you sit in there. And you have your remote control that can do heart surgery and various other things. You got it. And you, you say, I got it all. My beverage holder, you know, I, I've got it all here. I'm in the life of comfort. This is where I can dwell for a very long time. And the reality is, we're just never set up that way, are we? Something's always wrong, right? Something always makes it so it's not as comfortable as we wanted it. And there's always one more thing we need. There's always a sense of something breaking and needing to be replaced. There's always something wrong. Why? Well, it's real simple. Because this body, this body, all that this body will do is just a temporary home. It's just a temporary, it's a tent. And yet the real home that we should be seeking, that, that we should be longing for, is to be at home with the Lord. That, that's the only place where we will finally have arrived, is to be at home with Him. So uh, I'm looking for home way too much down here. Maybe you as well. Number three, number three. Uh, If life were like the Olympics, my life would be like the Paralympics or the Special Olympics. I don't say that to degrade those, but turn over to Isaiah chapter 42. I I want you to see this. This is so important. I've been, this passage has been on my mind the last few weeks. So I, I watched some of the, the trials for the Olympics, and I don't know if you have as well. They're amazing, aren't they? Uh, some people in our family, they like the swimming events, and they, you know, be like Michael Phelps and that other guy who's trying to wipe him out, and, you know, just see how they swim and the amazing strength that they have, and they glide along the water effortlessly and fast and just amazing. I think of um, Allison Felix, uh, the sprinter for the USA, and you can pray for her. She's a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, her dad teaches at the Master's Seminary, and he tried to teach me Greek back in the day. Um, he was my teacher, and uh, she's just a neat girl. I haven't met her. I've watched some things and just super excited. But just to see how uh, we love the idea of perfection, of being the best. 
And we love watching uh, events like the Olympics because we see how amazing it is. And yet none of us, none of us are like that, are we? None of us. Um, when I look at uh, the scripture and I, I, I consider who I am, and Psalm or and Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 42, a passage that speaks of how the Lord uh, works. It says this, verse one: uh, Behold, my servant, whom I uh, uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation, speaking of Christ. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice and make it heard in the street. And this is what I want us to catch this morning. Verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. As you think about the way the Lord works with individuals' lives, and and this is me, He does not look upon us and say, while I am working out my plan of justice, I'm I'm looking at reeds, I'm looking at these little lights that are flickering, and He says, oh, this light's not worth it, get rid of it. This bruised reed, it's kind of bent over, ah, that won't do, throw it aside. But rather, he takes those and he uses those. I wish so. I wish that I was this sense of perfection in who I am, that God would say, "I need something amazing." Choose Kevin. I, I I'm looking for something perfect. There he is. But he sees bruised reeds, grass that's been crushed and, and trampled upon. And he sees lights that are just barely flickering. And he says, these are the ones that I'm going to take to myself. You see, uh, the Olympics uh, are not a very good picture of who we are. It's those who have lost a leg. Those who struggle with how to live their lives and uh, the ability to think and they haven't developed properly. That's us. That's us. We are scarred and broken. And as I think about that, I think that's a picture of my life that even though God is using and will use us as we come to Him, He he does not throw us aside. I love that picture for us of a bruised reed and a flickering lamp. Number four. I want to turn over to Psalm 95. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Psalm chapter 95. Uh, my next point is this country is worth celebrating and Christ alone is worth worshiping. Psalm 95 verse 6 says this. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. As I think about this, and we have celebrated uh, the 4th of July this week, um, 
most of us here in, in this room today, uh, we love our country. We would say this is a great country. It's worthy to be celebrated, and that's true. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the things that I consider as I think about this country, which makes it great, is our ability to worship freely, to be able to come together, not just in our homes, but in a place like this where we're able to gather uh, and our right is to worship like this. That is awesome and that makes our country worthy to be celebrated. But the beyond that, even more important, is that we have a God who is worthy to be worshipped. It's not just that uh, we have laws that protect our ability to do so. It's that we should do so. It's that we should gather. This passage that I've just read has called us, has called God's people to come. It's for us to worship together. It's not just singularly at home. It's to come. It's to worship. I love singing with you all because I can hear you sing. And as you're singing words of truth, they're echoing in my ear. Your singing's not that great, but the words are beautiful. And as we come together, there's an encouragement one to another. And as we are looking at God's word right here, there's a sense of like, yeah, this is for me. We're, we can interact and we can talk. As we see one another, we come to worship together. And it's not just that we would have the right in this great country to come, but that we would come because he's truly worthy of our worship. Uh, there are many meetings uh, that you miss. Not, not here at church, but there are community events and things where you're happening at a certain time and you go, I know what time it is. I know where it is. I know why they're meeting and I'm not going. You know why? Because you don't find it to be valuable. You don't find it to be worthy. This morning I want to remind you that to come and to worship the Lord, not just at church, but as God's people gather, what a beautiful thing it is. Because we have a God worthy to be worshipped. That was number four. Number five. Number five. Life is overwhelming. I need to keep walking with Christ. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. And I don't know what, uh, what the details are of your life. I don't know if you closed your eyes right now and you started making the mental list of what's going on in your life. I don't know how that list makes you feel. But sometimes I have the list of things to do, and I just go, there's too many. There's too many. And then I, I, I think about my life and just the energy that I have. I don't have enough energy for that. Then I sometimes think about the resources financially that I have, and I say, I don't have the resources to do that or that. And then I think of the other people in my life that, um, I don't want to say burden me, because I, that I care about, that I care about deeply, and that their marriages and their health and their situations now burden me as well, and they, they hurt as well, and I love them, and I care about them, and so I get all these things, and sometimes I just become paralyzed with all that there is to do in life. It's overwhelming. I didn't mean to overwhelm you this morning, and some of you are hyperventilating on me. Um, 
Life is overwhelming. I need to keep walking with Christ. Let's look to God's Word. Colossians chapter 2. I've shared this with you before, this uh, concept uh, of the Scripture that is super important as we think about how we live uh, in this world. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So I'm overwhelmed. I have all these details of my life. I have all these concerns and anxious thoughts. I have people that I care about and I love. And I I don't like the situation that they're in. And it sometimes overwhelms me. What do I do when I feel paralyzed? How, How do I go on? Real simply, if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ... Now is the time where I walk with Him and in Him to accomplish all that He's called me to. I know that sounds simple, and it is. But the reason that we are overwhelmed and the reason that we feel like that feeling of being paralyzed is not because uh, our life is exceptional. It's interesting to me that sometimes I find myself to be have more things going on than anybody else in the entire world. I don't know if you feel that way. It's not true. You're at least in second place because I'm one ahead of you, okay? My life is more complicated than yours. It's not true, is it? Uh, There's a a sense where God, we we overemphasize who we are and and we get overwhelmed. But, But I want you to see this with God with us, that Jesus walks with us, that, that Him being the one that we are now in, that we have relationship with, we got it. It's not, it's not that all these lists go away and the burdens, are, but it's He's with us. I, I love the, I've gone over this so many times and I'll do it next week too. Um, the idea of walking in Him, Right? This is what is the idea of walking? Well, the idea of walking is life. Is life. It's what they did with everything. They walked. It was about doing and going about their day and about going about the path that was before them, about moving from home to to work, to market, to the next town. That's what they did. They walked and and what is it saying? In this life, as you are living, do it in Christ, in Christ, with Him. Because we have received Him, now is the time to walk with Him or in Him. When I find myself to be overwhelmed and paralyzed, I sit there alone. And yet... uh, Not that the list gets any smaller, but seeing it in perspective of now my relationship with Jesus Christ, it shrinks in my mind and it removes the paralysis that I can just take steps with Him, that I can just walk with Him. 
Life is overwhelming, and I need to keep walking with Christ. Number six, you will never get it all done. You will never get it all done. That's super discouraging, isn't it? You'll never get it all done. And you say, well, what, what's all? All the things that you want to get done. You'll never get them all done. Some of you are saying, well, oh, yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will. No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't get it all done. And that's great. That's fine. That's fine. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. As I look um, at... As I look at my own life and the mountains uh, of things that I have before me, that I desire to get done, that I even feel God has called me to do, that He wants me to do, and I look at it all and I go, I can't do it all. I I just can't do it. And there's a sense in which I say, well, I'm just going to be diligent and I'm going to wipe this list out. It seems like uh, the mountain grows as I'm working. The, as things continue on, I just go, ah, oh, it just keeps, seem to be getting bigger. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, you look at Paul's perspective, and I think it's an important one for us to see as we consider the life that God has given us. Because we will not get it all done, there's an attitude that we must have. In chapter 3, Verse 13, and Paul uh, regarded, he, he, had a, he had a past, both of success and failure, and yet he says this, uh, starting at verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He goes on to talk about this is mature thinking, but this is the point, to press on, to not give up. Sometimes we look at all that God has placed before us, all the challenges and hurdles and mountains. We look at all those things and we say, oh, it looks like too much. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I want to encourage you, you're not going to get it all done, but don't quit. (laughs) Press on. That's what Paul has, has done with his life as he understood who God was and got that clear, inspired picture, he calls us to press on. You know, that's a picture of stepping again, right? Of not laying down and quitting, but getting up and walking and pushing and pressing on. I may have shared this before, but uh, one of my uh, friends and mentors, Al Oliver, who we've had here before, he uh, played professional football, but he also coached high school football. And he he told a story uh, to me one time where one of his favorite things to yell from the sidelines. And you'd think it'd be something profound. And he, he said that one of his favorite things to yell from the sidelines was, get up! And it's just a funny picture. If you've ever watched football, um, there's piles of people everywhere, right? And he, he would say, the reason I'd yell get up is because you can't play the game when you're laying on the ground. 
And that's a picture for us too, is that as we see the mountains before us, as we see the things that we may not be able to accomplish, we need to press on in the Lord. The last, my last point this morning is this. God gives us what we don't deserve. James chapter 1. Turn there with me, please. Um, I, I don't have these great qualifiers this morning of what I'm talking about, but I, I want to read to you this from James, James chapter 1. Listen to this in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. That second verse I read, verse um, 18, actually, if you look up at verse 16, that verse 16 right there, people argue of whether that goes with what goes before or what, whether it goes with the verses that I just read there. It says, don't be deceived. I, I think it's true for both, but it, what he's saying is this, don't be lied to, don't be lied to, don't allow yourself to be led astray into believing in lies. What's the big lie? The big lie is this, that all those good gifts that you get, all the things, you did it yourself, you did it yourself, that somebody else was, uh, somebody other than God was the reason that you have gotten great things in your life. It's not true. It's not true. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in heaven. That's where it comes from. We have a source of the goodness in our lives. And some of us struggle with even finding the goodness. I want to tell you, don't be an Eeyore, right? Don't be an Eeyore. Don't be walking around and when it's hot outside, you say, oh, it's too hot. You know, it's just awful out here. When it rains, you say, oh, I'm getting wet. And uh, you're, you're always seeing that which uh, is not a blessing. And I want to tell you, there's blessings all around us. That God is the giver of good gifts. The second verse I read to you uh, describes the greatest gift of all. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, this is the reason that you should be smiling. It's this. Because of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. It's that He brought you to Himself. That He gave you life. That part of His plan was that you would be His child. That you, it's amazing. And you, you look around you and you say, well, so what are you saying is a, a picture of the grace of God? It's your salvation. Uh, it's your salvation. That He would, would want us. That He would desire to make us His own, to clean us up and to save us. It's amazing truth. But everything else as well. Do you have a husband or a wife here today? Praise God. Praise God. If, if, if you found someone that will tolerate you in marriage, praise God. Okay? I don't say that lightly. I know some of you, and you're, you're saying, I don't know, I'm looking at you right now, and pray for Rebecca, you know. Uh, 
Um, you know what? Do you have health right today? Do you have health? You say, you know, I don't have a husband. Do you have health? Praise God. He's a giver of good gifts. You have a place to live, a place to sleep. Yeah, oh, praise God. You have food to eat. Yeah, he took care of you in that as well. Do you have kids? Yeah, yeah. You say they're kind of overwhelming. Praise God, he gave them to you. Not apart from, uh, it wasn't your plan, it was his plan. God is the giver of good gifts. He loves us. These are some of the things that I've been thinking about. Let's pray. God, um, thank you for this, this morning, and I just ask that you would help your word to resonate in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I know that um, our lives uh, seem complicated to us. Uh, God, forgive us for our lack of faith and our um, weakness uh, that is prone to uh, Leave it to our anxious devices instead of to walk with you. God, I ask that you would encourage us through the passages that we looked at this morning. I ask that you would also make us people who, as we go through the details of our lives and the events, that your word would remind us of who you are and that those two things would come together, your truthful word and our lives, the things that are going on. God, thank you for your grace to us that you don't leave us alone, but you would go with us in all that we do. And God, we thank you. Uh, praise you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.